With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast. We are presented by Illegal Pete's. Check out any of their 10 Colorado locations for happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. My name is Jake Schwanitz. On this edition of the DMVR Buffs podcast, we're going to have our college basketball expert, Will Darkey, breaking down the entire bracket with DMVR Rams host, Justin Michael. The guys get into everything you need to know ahead of this tournament. Before we get into that conversation, though, shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, where new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly with a new sign-up. The guys are going to be dropping some great knowledge. If you want to dabble in those upsets that RK and I have been talking about, but just by taking the underdogs or just by taking all of them, you can do that. But also Justin and Will are going to give you the underdogs to bet on in this year's tournament. And also if you are trying to bet on one team to win the entire thing, these guys have you covered. Again, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can sign up with the code DMVR and bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, shout out to our friends over at Jive Hive. Jive Hive is the virtual dispensary on wheels that can deliver to you wherever you may be. At home partying, can't go to the dispo because you're at work or have another commitment? Don't worry, Jive Hive has you covered. Best part about them, they have no brick and mortar store, so that means no low overhead, meaning lower prices for you, the customer. Just visit jivehive.com, that's J-I-V-E-H-Y-B-E.com, and get your order delivered the same day or schedule a delivery window. They'll be there to say hi. Head on over to jivehive.com and enter your address to find out if Jive Hive can deliver to your door. Now serving Aurora, Greenwood Village, Monument, Fountain, and various areas of El Paso County. That's J-I-V-E-H-Y-V-E.com. Now, enough from me. Here's Justin and Will. All right, we've got a special crossover edition today on the DNVR Hoop Circuit. I'm Justin Michael. I cover CSU. I'm joined by Will Darkey. He covers the Buffs. He is a college basketball expert. First things first, before we jump into this, how you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time out. No, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to be here, chat college hoops. And uh, yeah, even though both the Rams and the Buffs don't find themselves in the big dance. It's it's always still a good time to just be involved at this time of the year. So the nice thing is is March Madness is for everyone, even if your team doesn't make it. There's always that moment where you're just kind of like, ah, I found myself sitting around on Selection Sunday, just like, man, last year was a whole lot more fun. But I'm still excited. I think it's going to be 
a crazy year in general. It feels pretty wide open in terms of the amount of teams you could realistically see making a just some type of deep run. Uh, so I guess let's jump into it. We're going to preview the Denver games at the very end. First, first things first, though, we just kind of wanted to start with the general field, um, kind of just sparking the combo here. Who is the one seed that you think is the most at risk to be eliminated early on? I think I'd have to go with Purdue out of the East. Uh, they, I will say they have impressed me this season. I was lower on them coming into this year. I, I didn't think Zach Eady would uh, kind of blossom as much as he did stepping into this much bigger role this year, but he's looked really good. But outside of Edie, I, I don't know how much I really trust their freshman guards. And I also don't like the eight, nine matchup they have. If they can get past that though, then you also have to get past a Duke Tennessee, which I, I personally like Duke. And I, so I just think their path, it, it's, it's just pretty tough. They like the one sixteen. I, I can see them getting out of, but then the eight nine Memphis Florida Atlantic. I think either team that comes out of that game could totally knock out Purdue. And then, but if Purdue can get past that, then their Sweet Sixteen matchup is incredibly tough too. So, yeah, I definitely lean Purdue. What about you? I actually had Purdue as well, and for a lot of the same reasons, they just out of the one seed, their path to getting even to the Elite Eight is brutal. Like you look at. Houston or, you know, Alabama might match up with Arizona if we get the one, two at some point, but it's like, damn, just getting through Memphis to get to the sweet 16 or FAU who, you know, you mentioned the other day was probably underseeded. That's a rough path. That's a rough path for a team that's kind of been up and down. I really like their ceiling feels extremely high. I just, I don't know if they're going to have the scoring to go with some of these other teams, especially, you know, if, if teams can limit ED's impact. Yeah, one thing that I did write about, because uh, I have a Q&A that just came out on the Buffs beat with Jake, and uh, kind of a similar question was asked, and I talked about Edie potentially being a player that could take over in the East, and he's kind of the guy to watch in that region. And the one thing that I wrote about was the referees and how Big Ten refs, like the each conference has similar refs throughout the entire conference play. And so Big Ten refs got used to watching ED play. And I think it could be an interesting storyline seeing if, I don't know, in the second round game against the winner of Memphis FAU, do they get like SEC refs or ACC refs or just like a different refs from a different conference? And how do they treat seven foot four Zach ED? Is he getting a favorable whistle because he's probably going to be player of the year? Or will they not will they not be as kind to him and so i think that could be an interesting thing to watch too that's a good point i feel like a lot of the time especially in the crunch time we kind of see these whistles get swallowed by the refs so if i mean you're allowed to beat him up and just hack him that's going to kind of be the the great offsetter i guess yeah definitely and i don't know i just i think Edie's pretty good at the line but it it'll definitely be something to watch out for that too. I mean, even if he gets it, can he hit his free throws in the crunch situation? Um, we we're already kind of started this, but who are three teams that you think should be on upset alert? I'll start. I'll throw one out. I've got Texas versus Colgate. Texas two seed Colgate fifteen. I'm not trying to put anything crazy out there, being like the Longhorns are going down. But when you look at Colgate, they're the most efficient three point offense in the entire country. They've got five guys that can hit from deep at any point. 
They're top 10 in two-point offense as well, which I found to be interesting. Maybe that just has something to do with their success out deep. But there is a path, I feel like, where Colgate just gets absurdly hot. Texas gets kind of cold. If you're one of those guys that bets off of previous history, Texas doesn't have the best history of, of succeeding in the tournament. I, I wouldn't love this draw if I'm a Longhorns fan. I'll say that. No, yeah. Colgate, I, when I was doing a little dive into that matchup, I think Colgate, all five of their starters average double digits. And so it's not one of those things where Colgate's got a 25 point per game score. And if Texas can shut him down, then Colgate's out of the game. Like they're getting scoring from all five spots on the court. And it, it could definitely be an overwhelming matchup for Texas. And I think Colgate, I honestly think they could have gotten a nod at a 14 seed. I think they were maybe underseeded a bit, but that'll definitely be an interesting game. I think one that I just have had my eye on ever since I saw it pop up on Selection Sunday is Kent State, Indiana. I'm glad you put I, that one. I was going to put it, but then I remembered you mentioning being that being like the game you're one of most excited for. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, but no. Go ahead. All good. Yeah. I just, I was never really sold on the Big Ten going into this season. And then they kind of proved me right. It's you look at like the big 12 and it was this like cannibalistic conference of just everyone's beating everyone, but it felt like good team, like great teams beating great teams. Whereas with the big 10, it just felt like a ton of mediocrity all around. And Indiana like has shown flashes of being good, but they've honestly just disappointed me more. And I don't know. I I just like this Kent State team. The one thing that I keep going back to Kent State is they probably should have won the MAC last year, but they they won their semifinal in the MAC conference tourney, and then a video surfaced out of like the post game locker room where they were doing I forget what it was, but it was kind of something obscene um, towards Akron, who was going to be their matchup in the championship game, and because of that, like four of their starters got suspended for the first half of that game. They went down big and then just couldn't come back. And so they lost and they weren't in the tournament. But they've returned a lot of guys from that team. And I think this season has just kind of been this like revenge story and like a we mean business, like no fooling around, no videos in the locker room. Like we are just, we're getting in, we're clocking in and like we're going to work. And so I don't know, every time I've watched Kent State, they've just impressed me not only in conference play, but in the non-conference games earlier this season, they impressed me and they they showed up against some some top seeds that you have in the tournament. So I'm going to go with Kent State. I also like Sincere Carey, who's a guard on Kent State. And I, I just think they could uh, they could really throw a wrench in Indiana's style of play. I'm right there with you with the Big Ten just being a whole lot of mediocre teams this year. And this is somewhat of a cop-out because I realized that Boise State is technically favored by Vegas, but I've got Boise State taking down Northwestern in the 7-10. I just think that they're going to have a hard time matching the offense that Boise State can produce. They've got guys that can create their own shot, which is not really something I see with Northwestern consistently. I think Degenhart, who's kind of like a 6-7 point forward, is, is a tough draw. And I just, I like this Boise State team coming in. I think they play enough defense to kind of not get overwhelmed by by the physicality and stuff that Northwestern is going to bring to the table. But just offensively, I think they're a little bit more potent. I like the Broncos to win that game. Yeah, I uh, 
I really like Max Rice on the Broncos too. The coach's son, he he's got like a weird release. It kind of it looks weird when it's going up, but he he can catch fire and he could be a guy that like let's say Boise State's down ten. I think uh, it actually happened in oh. It was a game just at the end of maybe the Mountain West regular season, or it could have been in the conference tourney, where Boise State closed the game on like an 18 to four run or something kind of like that. And I know I what you're say, talking about. I can't remember who is I think against. It was, I think it was maybe like against San Diego State at the end of like regular season play. And yes, that was at Boise State. And I love home court advantage in college basketball, but I don't know. A lot of that was fueled by Max Rice. And so I think that's. A great pick, even though, like you said, they are favored. And I think Utah State, too, I saw in the 7-10, they're also favored. So it's like this upset that Vegas doesn't even really view as an upset, but I also do like Utah State. Um, but I guess the other one that I'll choose, I think I'm going to go with... I don't know if this will happen because I have been high on St. Mary's all year. No, I, I'm not going to go St. Mary's. I'm actually going to do Drake because I still haven't heard anything out of Miami's camp about Norchad O'Meara. And I just really like this Drake team, just super experienced. I think four of their five starters are seniors who have just played together for years. And then the one guy that's not a senior is kind of standout sophomore, Tucker DeVries, who's the coach's son. He's just, he kind of reminds me of this, like, Nikola Jokic. He's not like the level of Nikola Jokic, but like, this power forward that can like run the point, just be pretty versatile out there. And I don't know. I think, I think Drake, if Miami is without Norchad O'Meara, I think Drake stays close as Vegas is saying. I think it's like a two, two and a half point line there. So I think that game would just stay really close. And Drake is my favorite 12 seed, I'd say. So I'll, I'll go with the Bulldogs. I like that pick a lot. I've got Drake making a sweet 16 run. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I just think their experience is going to come into play in a, in a matchup like this. They're, they're not going to get flustered if they have a cold stretch, which offensively they can be a bit up and down at times, but I just think they're, they're so tough. I'm really excited for that one. The last one that I'll throw out is a uh, number 13 Furman going up against Virginia. Furman's the most efficient two point offense in the country. They're 10th in effective field goal percentage to me. It, you know, that they, all they do is create quality looks. You're going up against a Virginia defense who's obviously stellar, but we've seen the path to upset with Virginia before. It's just them not being able to buy a bucket. And if Furman can do enough defensively to stop Virginia and they're hitting shots, I could see a situation, especially if Furman gets up early, where that's a tense, tense situation for Virginia. No, yeah, I, I could not agree more because Virginia, um, like it's good to note that one of their top scorers, Ben Vanderplas, went down with a fractured wrist, I think, a couple weeks ago. And so he's out for the season. And ever since he went down, their offense has just dipped in efficiency. And they, they're they kind of lacking other options to score because he was one of their, their main go-to guys in this offense that already just struggled. And so I, I really like Mike Bothwell on Furman too. He's this... He's this guard that has takeover potential. And if he gets streaky, then yeah, I, I totally see 
a scenario where Furman like goes up 10 and 10 is a lot of points to be down for this Virginia team because they just don't go on runs. Virginia and Tennessee are the two interesting ones to me where defensively you wouldn't be shocked if they made a sweet 16 and elite eight run. But offensively, it's just such a struggle watching either of those teams that I wouldn't be shocked if they both got bounced in the first round. Yeah, I, I totally agree, especially with Tennessee. I, there's just been a lot of injuries that have sprung up as of late for these top seeds that make, I, I look at a lot of these just 12, 13, 14, that there's kind of an injury on the, the high seed, which then makes it a little more intriguing. And Tennessee's another one with uh, their point guard, Zakai Ziegler, out for the season with the torn ACL. I guess like one more one that I'll toss out, just you tossed out Colgate and I, I like the Colgate pick for like this year's uh, with uh, St. Peter's. I also like UNC Asheville. I said that on the live show. Um, just UCLA, Am- Amari Bailey looked good in the two games without Jalen Clark. He seemed to fit in and like kind of fill that role that Jalen Clark was um, in pretty well but then a dem also going down it doesn't look like he'll be good to go for the first round i don't think and i don't know unc Asheville. i think they are the highest no they're not the highest because colgate but unc Asheville might be second in ken palm for the 15 seeds i'd have to check vermont's also up there too i don't know i just all all the 15 seeds intrigue me but i think that's like the matchup that i like because of how ucla's injuries have They've kind of started to fall apart a little down the stretch in UNC Asheville with Drew Pember. That could be that could just I mean, be he could a take over. closer game. Yeah, that could just be a lot closer game. And I think you were the one to say it on the live show too, with how UCLA gets off to slow starts. Mm-hmm. That I would not be shocked if UNC Asheville's up at the half. So that's just another 15 2 that. I don't know. They they just are becoming more and more common with the transfer portal. It just it feels like, I mean, you see it at the top of the sport with there's not really a true number one favorite. Like there's this kind of like top tier of teams that you can choose from, but there's not this runaway team. And I feel like you can also look at it with like the bottom of college basketball where it's just starting to even out and the smaller teams are getting much and much better because the transfer rules have just gotten so much more flexible over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen certain teams, especially do a great job of going out and just finding great fits, especially. I mean, Creighton, I think, is probably the best example of that going out. You get an Arkansas transfer and Connor Van over at the big, and all of a sudden it's just like, well, that was like the one thing they didn't have. They already had the guard play, the shooters. Now they've got an elite big that can go toe-to-toe with you know, some of these guys in the Big East and then in the tournament when you're going up against SEC teams, Big Ten, whatever. It's really been interesting and it's going to make for a fun field. Off of that, kind of what is your favorite game in each region? And we don't have to go super in-depth, but it could be anything. You know, when I'm looking at the West, I'm pretty intrigued by this Iona-UConn game just because of the coaches. I mean, anytime we've got Rick Pitino and Hurley involved, it could be intriguing. But I'm going to go Gonzaga GCU just because I think it could be an offensive shootout. I'm very curious to see how Gonzaga deals with GCU, how close GCU can keep it. I think it's like a 15-point spread. It wouldn't shock me if they covered. Gonzaga doesn't overwhelm you defensively. But um, that's where I'm at with the West. What's your favorite game in the West? 
In the West, I think I'm going to go the exact opposite way of offensive battle. The 512 St. Mary's VCU, I think, is just going to be such a fun, like gutsy defensive battle. And it might be a race to like 50 or 55 in that game. But for a true basketball fan, it's it's just going to be such a fun, close game that I think goes down to the wire. And I don't know. I, I've loved St. Mary's like this entire year, but uh, I don't think he's hot at the right time. Man. Yeah. Nine game winning streak coming in. They play great defense. I mean, yeah, literally no one's safe in March. So as much as I've been riding the St. Mary's team this year, I am really liking what I'm seeing from VCU and they could definitely upset St. Mary's here. I was bummed that they got, there was a couple of those where I was bummed they got matched up together. I was bummed also that Duke and Oral Roberts got the 512. I think Duke should have been a three or a four seed, especially after what they did in the ACC tournament for Oral Roberts to get them. It's just a bummer because those are two teams. I'd like to see that game, but in the sweet 16, not in the first round. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, Forget if I said it on the live show or if I've just been talking about this bracket with everybody this week, but um, just seeing how Virginia still ended up at a four and Duke stays at a five after Duke beating Virginia, I felt like that maybe would have flopped after the ACC championship, but it didn't. And so they don't care. They literally didn't like they didn't take account unless you got eliminated and lost your auto bid. Making a run in your conference tournament seemed to do nothing for anybody. Penn State didn't get a boost for making it to the title game. No. Like, Texas A&M didn't get a ton of love for what they did. I Fort, just no, yeah, it was weird. Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic crushed uh, UAB in the CUSA final and didn't do anything. They stay at a nine, or they may even drop to. And I don't know. It just it it was a bit surprising to see. Duke, I, I was at least expecting a four for Duke. Maybe they could have climbed to the three, but yeah, to just stay at the five, it it does make it unfortunate because I, I was really excited to get to move Duke and Oral Roberts, and now you got to pick one in the first round. But yeah. I guess the benefit is whoever you buy into, either of those teams is capable of making a run. I've got Duke going to the final four. I just think they're playing good ball at the right time. And I don't know, it just feels like classic Duke to me, like one experienced player, some up and coming guards, everybody hates them. Like it's just the perfect Duke time, and like nobody really sees it coming. That's also peak Duke. Uh, what's uh, what's your favorite game in the Midwest? I'm gonna go A and M Penn State. I think it's just two teams that are playing really good ball right now, and could you know potentially be frisky if they got hot. Yeah, I I totally agree. A and M Penn State I think is my favorite, but I'll also I'll kind of ride my one of the upset picks I tossed out. I'll, I think Indiana-Kent State would be a good game, but I, I think Miami-Drake would be more exciting, maybe. Um, so Texas A&M Penn State's my favorite. It's just two teams that are playing some of the best basketball in the country. I think Texas A&M, if you look, is top 10 on Bart Torvik over the past few months. Like they're, they're one of the best teams in the country. And then Penn State has just been like clutching out quad one wins the past two or three weeks. And I I had money on them in the Big Ten Championship, and they went down 17. I was like, all right, game's over. I'll just start getting ready for the selection show. And then I check my phone, and all of a sudden, it's like a three-point game with a minute left. And I don't know. it. They sort of feel like a team of destiny. So that's my favorite. But yeah, with the Miami Drake, it just I, – I love 512. I think those are my favorite first-round games to watch for the 512s because you get this, like, decent – 
high major program, but they're not the best. They've had some inconsistencies, which drop them to like a five or something. And then you get the 12, which is kind of when you start to see the small schools appear. And it, it just creates these great storylines. And I, I think Miami Drake is just my favorite. Five twelves are my favorite Miami Drake in the Midwest. I think it's just going to be a great game. Let's keep it with the five twelve in the South. I've got San Diego State Charleston. Charleston's going to be the popular 12-5 upset pick. It's odd to me though, because when you look into the metrics, like they're not a super efficient three-point shooting team. They really benefit from crashing the glass. San Diego State is one of the best defensive three-point shoot or one of the best teams at defending the three-point shot in the country. They've just got so much length experience. I think this is when the Aztecs finally break through and, and kind of get some postseason success. Obviously, the narrative around the Mountain West is not great. They've lost eight straight NCAA tournament games as a conference, 22 and 55 all time. I like San Diego State in this one. I think this is a matchup where they kind of show just how good they are. I I really agree with that. I, I've also just heard, I think you can hear different things from different outlets and different people, but I kind of have heard the consensus being that Charleston is the most popular uh, 12 over five. I think people might be riding this like fade the mountain West, but I just, I like this matchup for San Diego state. And I think it, it will be an entertaining game, but I think this is where, the Mountain West breaks the curse, and I, I agree. I'm I'm going with San Diego State and going against the public. Um, <laughs> but I think my f- my favorite in the South, I think the Creighton NC State game could be really fun. But I'll I'll go with another Mountain West one. I'm going to go with Missouri Utah State. That's just going to be an offensive shoot. It, like defense is going to be optional in that game. Utah State is so fun to watch because they just they shoot so many threes and they make so many threes. And I don't know. I, I found myself watching a lot of Mountain West basketball down the stretch. And Utah State, they're just they're on fire right now. They're like one of the hottest teams going into this tournament. Um, and I don't know. I think they could they could help the Mountain West secure a second victory. So I, I'm even though I think Vegas, like I said earlier, is favoring Utah State, they're not really an upset in this 10-7. I, I think it'll be a really fun offensive game, and I'm going Utah State. I love it. I mean, I, I think it's going to be one of the more fun games. Who gets a stop could ultimately determine this one, who misses a shot late. I do wonder if Missouri State can kind of tighten things up defensively and Utah State starts missing shots, is there anybody on the Aggies who can kind of just create something for himself, you know, create a little mid-range opportunity, get to the hoop? They struggled at times to do that in San Diego, against San Diego State. That said, the Mountain West title game is really hard to draw any type of major conclusions from because they play at like 9.30 at night on Friday and then turn around and are playing again at 1 p.m. in the afternoon the next day. It's one of the dumbest things in the country, but they do it because they want that CBS primetime slot. I get it. I love that. I think Utah State is is really exciting. I'm hoping they represent the conference well. I think the Mountain West is a fun conference. It just has not lived up to the uh, the expectation. Uh, closing things out with the East before we kind of dive into these Denver games specifically, maybe give out uh, some Final Four picks. I think the Michigan State-USC game is very intriguing. 
just in terms of like, I could see either of those teams getting hot and kind of making a run. Drew Ellis, USC, I love him. Michigan State in March is just a team that, I mean, they're kind of hit or miss. You're either going to lose right away or make a run at the Elite Eight. I'm curious how that game plays out. And then Memphis versus FAU is a game we've already talked about. But I just think a couple of mid-major showdowns, um, a lot of experience, a lot of talent at the guard position. I'm really excited for those ones. Yeah, Memphis FAU, I said on the live show, it's my it's the matchup I'm most looking forward to in the round of 64. I just, the eight nines, we got like treated well with eight nines this year. I, I think all of them are going to be really fun games, but the Memphis FAU one, I don't know if it's just because I'm a sucker for these smaller schools. Memphis is decent size but like still considered a mid-major and then you have FAU having the best season in their program's history I just I think it's going to be a game that's just played with a lot of heart and I think it's going to be such a fun one and whichever team wins that I'm going with Memphis but I could totally see FAU pulling it out too but I think whichever team wins that will then really threaten Purdue like I said but then I also wrote about in the Q&A that the Kentucky-Providence game just has a really fun storyline in um, totally. Providence. Yeah, Providence's best player, Bryce Hopkins, transferred out of Kentucky last year because he just kind of fell out of the rotation, wasn't getting the playing time he wanted. So he goes to the Big East and becomes like a first-team player there. And I don't know. I think I think it's a revenge spot for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and puts up like 30 points. But that, that should be a really fun game. And because it's the 11 6 maybe we have an upset. Everybody loves Ed Cooley. Kentucky's got the pressure of having to make up for last year, and they haven't really been great this year. I mean, you see moments where they where they pop, but I don't know. It's been interesting to see some of these blue bloods that had, you know, guys come back, whether it's Kentucky and Sheway or Baycott at North Carolina, and just it didn't really live up to expectations at all. It's it's kind of interesting. You would have assumed that with the experience they had, or even, you know, Timmy at Gonzaga, like it just, it did not go how anybody thought. No, yeah, I, it's, it is just weird to look back because I think the preseason top four, I remember there was like a top four tier at the beginning of the season and it was UNC at the one, which we saw how that ended up. Kentucky may have been around the two and they're in the tournament as six, but definitely not really sniffing like one of the top seeds. Gonzaga, Gonzaga really turned their season around, but it was looking, yeah, dicey for a bit. And then Houston was the other one. And Houston's like the only team that's really come through. But yeah, I, I do agree with what you said about those other three teams that kind of didn't live up to expectations. I think you can, it translates well with the big men on that team, maybe. Just, I don't, I feel like they all had like decent individual years, but I just don't know if it translated. All like they that didn't, well. ele- yeah, they didn't really elevate their teams. I don't, yeah. It's just interesting. So, I, I don't even have like a deep, like overarching point there. I just thought it was weird how it played out. Definitely. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, before we preview these Denver games, just real quick, who do you got in the final four? So my final four, I'm still like, it's, Wednesday afternoon after this, I'm just like getting in the lab for basically the rest of the night and solidifying. And so, right, so who is it right now? With, it's with it's still room for tinkering. Yeah, it's still rough, but I have to go Alabama. I just, they've impressed me too much. 
I, even though we talked about it being a first round upset potential, I'm going Texas out of the Midwest. Um, in the East, I've got Duke. And in the West, I, I've been swapping between Gonzaga and UConn. I think right now I have Gonzaga in my final bracket, but I also, I like the metrics that UConn has, and they've like been one of the best teams in the country at points this year. So I, I'll also go UConn, but um, yeah, what was that? Alabama, Texas, Duke, Gonzaga. I like it. That's fun. I've got Bama, Duke. I've got Kansas coming out of the West. And I've got Texas A&M upsetting Houston in the Elite Eight and making it to the Final Four. I've gone back and forth. I've flipped it about 14 times. I've also flipped in the title game between Kansas and Alabama so many times. Um, I don't know where I even lean yet. I'll post it on Twitter on Thursday and make it official. But uh, yeah, I've got Bama and Kansas in the title game. I like it. I love that Texas A&M pick. It's it's ballsy, but like the perfect amount of ballsy with like you can you can back it with some some real evidence and just I don't I'm playing good right now. I'm a big Buzz Williams guy. I think they're fun to to root for. I thought they got screwed by the committee two years in a row, so I think they're going to totally. have that us against the world mentality. And I like that they're in a region with Texas, with Houston in games that are going to be in Texas when the focus is going to be all on those other two schools. I just, I kind of like the spot that they're in. I think it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Um, We're running out of time here, but we do need to preview these Denver games just a little bit. Sorry to butt in me again here to tell you guys about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery right now. Breckenridge Brewery and DMBR have teamed up for the ultimate game day experience. We already gave away the tickets for the Avs experience a few weeks ago. That game was just last week, but we still have the Nuggets giveaway for all of you fans. The game is taking place on the 30th of March. So just a couple weeks away, the Nuggets will be taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. We're giving away two tickets, courtside row two, Club Lexus Axis, parking pass, and DMBR gear. If you want to enter, head on over to thednvr.com slash sweeps and complete the form to enter. You must be 21 years or older. Links are also in the show description and the winner will be selected one week before each game. So make sure you guys get on that one as soon as possible. And then just a real quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Illegal Pete's. You guys know Illegal Pete's is my go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beers. And right now, Illegal Pete's is running a really cool promotion for the month of March. They will be donating $1 to the Youth on Record from every vodka fresh press sold. Stop by one of Illegal Pete's 10 Colorado locations, order a Tito's fresh press, and know that your money is going to support Colorado's next big star. Illegal Pete's, my go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer, should be yours too. Let's get back to the show. I'll be there at Ball Arena. I'll be writing some takeaways from the site. Hopefully going to get some good games. Um, The first of the day, Friday morning, 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time. We've got the Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara taking on Baylor. Gauchos, they're an efficient offense, play pretty good defense. Uh, This Baylor team led by freshman guard Keontae George, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, Where I'm kind of interested is UCSB is one of the most efficient two-point offenses in the country. Baylor, one of the least efficient two-point defenses in the country. So maybe a hole there. That said, I'm a little surprised how much skepticism there is surrounding Baylor kind of going into this tournament. I think they're a really good team and they were in the best conference uh, in the country. 
Where are you at on this one? Yeah, I feel like we saw Baylor kind of sputter down the final stretch, and they had two pretty bad losses. Not They weren't bad losses, but they lost pretty badly to Iowa State. But you look at what Iowa State is, they're this low-scoring defensive team, like elite defensive team, and that's just not what UCSB is. And so I've I've seen, yeah, the buzz around like, oh, can the Gauchos be a first-round upset? I think it'll be a great game. I think it's two good offensive teams, and so it'll, it should be high-scoring, and Ballerina should get treated to a great first game. But I just, I think... If you look at the metrics, Baylor and UCSB are pretty similar, like styles of good offense, all right defense, but Baylor's just the better team. And so I side with Baylor. I, I think when we've seen them struggle, it's been against these elite defensive teams, and that's just not what the Gauchos are. Good point. Creighton NC State is a really fun game just in terms of talent on the floor. Um, DJ Burns with NC State's a, a character. Uh, to Quavion Smith, big guard ha- or a guard having a big year. I really love this Creighton team, though. I think they're potentially good enough to win it all, and I think they might have the most complete starting five in the country. They have so much depth. I love what Nemhart brings to the table as a facilitator. Uh, Kalkbrenner, true seven footer down low. Shireman, great shot. I mean, this is a team that is just built to win in March. I I'm very interested to see how this game plays out specifically because NC State when they're hot, like their high is really good. Their good is really good. But this Creighton team really intrigues me. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I've got Creighton in my elite eight right now. I, when you get to the tournament, it's kind of like NBA playoff basketball. The rotations get shorter. The it's, it's time for the starters to basically just take over. And that's what you saw with North Carolina's starting five last year. They basically just would play the full 40 minutes and they made a run because they, they were clicking. And I think that's what you could get with this Creighton starting five. There was talks about how they're the best starting five at the beginning of this year. And then they had some uh, illness situations in December with Ryan Cockbrenner. But I don't know. I could see that this starting five getting in a groove and just, I, I think they could be dangerous. But NC State does pose a kind of fun, interesting threat for the first round. Oh, by the way, real quick, a little correction. Earlier, I said Connor Vanover. He is on Oral Roberts. I mixed up him and Kalkbrenner, two Power Five guys, or that could be at Power Five playing for mid-majors instead. But that Creighton team, a lot of fun. Uh, 5.30 p.m., we've got GCU, Gonzaga. I love the experience Gonzaga brings to the table, even if they're not necessarily quite as athletic as, you know, maybe that 2021 team uh, that made the run with Suggs. I, I kind of like that there's no, I mean, there's not no expectation. This is a, a program that's always expected to kind of make a run. But I kind of like that the the pressure is off of this Gonzaga team, at least where it was at com- these last couple of years. You have a guy in Timmy who you can dump it off to at any point. That's a great just, well, I guess we'll just give it to him. And he's either going to get a, a bucket or he's going to get to the line. I think so long as Gonzaga doesn't sputter early, they have a really good shot to make the final four. Yeah, I, I love the point you made about like Gonzaga not being in the spotlight because these past couple of years, it's been like, oh, Gonzaga's the number one seed overall. And when they lose, it'll be like, wow, they just cannot win. But it's like, you're a three seed now. Yeah, you're still up there. But you can, I, it's it's a quieter path that it's like, oh, wow, Gonzaga's made it back to the final four. Like, good job, Bulldogs. But 
the thing I like about Gonzaga is at first it felt, I don't want to call everybody else role players because there's so many good players on that team, but it did feel like it was Timmy and then everyone else was just not really finding their way. But I feel like down the stretch, they've kind of come into their own. Um, Julian Strother's playing some really good basketball. He played really good basketball in February. So I, I've got Gonzaga going far as well, but GCU is a fun team out of the wax. So I, you talked about it, but I, I think it'll be a, a good first round game as well. GCU basically trying to become the new Gonzaga to be that small school West Coast team that attracts top talent. They're bankrolled by uh, Jerry Colangelo. So it's kind of an interesting situation. They've got a great home court advantage. I'm wouldn't shock me at all to see a ton of GCU fans make the trek out to Denver since that game is here. I'm looking forward to it. Um, this has been awesome, dude. We're going to have to talk way more hoops in the future. It very much bums me out that this was the first time that we did this. I know. This was a tough one. <laughs> Before we get out of here, um, can you see either of Arizona State or Nevada giving TCU a game? I think I'm low on Nevada. They just they kind of stumbled into the tournament. I didn't think they were going to make it. I didn't the think they would get in, even as a Mountain West so, guy, I was shocked. Yeah, it, like good for them to get in, but I think Arizona State's going to win um, and then I don't know, I, TCU ceiling is so high and they, they could totally come out and I, cause I've, we've also seen their floor is decently low. Um, but I just, I love Mike miles. I think, uh, Damian Baugh as well. They just, TCU has just far better players that I think will be too much for both the sun devils or the wolf pack. So I could be a good game, but I, I like. TCU ceiling, so I'm riding with the Horn Frogs. TCU is one of those. If all of a sudden you look up and they're in the Final Four, it should not be shocking because they just they play so hard. They've got great guard play. They're highly athletic, and they just they bring the fight to you. Like there's not there won't be a moment in this tournament where TCU gets intimidated or you can punk them. No, yeah, they're a six seed in the West, but the one seed in the West, Kansas, they went to Allen Fieldhouse earlier this season and beat them by like. They kicked 20. their ass. And yeah. Nobody does that at Allen. No, nobody does that. Like that was one of the worst losses in the Bill Self era at the Allen, at Allen Fieldhouse. And so I, TCU, they haven't, they haven't always played like that. And that's why they're a six seed. But man, if they can get clicking, their ceiling is sky high. Well, man, like I said, this was a blast. Make sure you're keeping up with all of our content throughout March Madness. Follow us at DNVR underscore Rams at DNVR underscore Buffs. Spring ball for football is going on. Um, Pro day, all kinds of crazy stuff. So make sure you keep up with that. Shout out to all of you. Hope everybody enjoys this weekend. No better time. This is March, baby. Lock in.